a season in general as people are wrestling with how we're going to be getting together and not getting together and uh, with COVID everything is sort of upside down. We can look in your uh, bulletin, see the other prayer requests that are there. And I uh, just want to uh, make as a uh, note of prayer request, the uh, giving tree is out there. There's still a few more um, uh, ornaments, I guess you call them, that can be uh, taken off of there and things that can be given. We want you to be aware of that. And, um, so I'm just going to ask that you would bow your heads now and we'll enter into a time of prayer together. Father, we come to you this morning and we acknowledge that uh, you are God. You are creator. You are king of kings and lord of lords. Everything that takes place, every breath that we take is a gift from you and comes from you. And you are the only God. Your love is more than we can comprehend. You gave your son to die on the cross to pay for our sins that we might be able to come before you, come before your throne present our requests to you. Father, we come to you and we ask that you would uh, heal our land, you would pre provide a, a successful rollout of the vaccine that uh, people would be made well. Father, that uh, our nation would be able to come together through this uh, hard political season and the pandemic, that it would come together and Ultimately, that it would turn and look to you for answers. Father, we ask that you will be with our immediate community and those that we know, care about, that are experiencing difficulties. Right here within the context of uh, this church, Father, we ask that you would bring comfort and healing. We ask that you watch over the family path. Father, we thank you for her service to your kingdom. Father, as we move forward in the service, we ask that your uh, presence would be felt among us. Now, Father, as we enter into a time of communion and meditation on what you've done for us, we turn the service over to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> some things and a whole lot more of other things. It's just changed our lives completely. For instance, I, I know that for the first six, eight weeks, we weren't even meeting together. So we had a lot less attendance in live worship, and a whole lot more attendance in, uh, in online worship. I know there were times, some Sundays, we sat through six, three church services. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Good thing. Uh, we didn't have in-home Bible study. We weren't able to meet together. And uh, it's a lot less personal attention there, but a whole lot more of individual Bible study, I hope, has been for me. A whole lot less eating out. And a whole lot more home cooking. That's not all bad. Not all bad. But there was also a whole lot less sports on TV whole lot more Hallmark movies 
Dark Ops and Wicked. And you know, Hallmark movies are, are pretty wholesome. They have a pretty good message most of the time. They're, they're, uh, I wouldn't say they're scriptural, but uh, they still have a pretty good message. And for, for those of you who have watched a few of them, they're pretty predictable. Pretty predictable. As a matter of fact, typically, you're going to see a lovely young woman who uh, either just broke up with her boyfriend, or just lost her job, or something or something or something. Anyway, she decides she's going to go home to a small town where she grew up and spend Christmas with her family, right? And who does she run into? old high school boyfriend. Her old high school boyfriend. Okay, well, she's also back in back in her, her previous life in the big city where she had a great job. She also had a great boyfriend, good looking guy, successful, who worked really hard. As a matter of fact, he worked so hard that he didn't pay attention to her. And there was really no love in the relationship. Well, while she's home, what happens? She finally gets roped into helping with the town's annual Christmas celebration. Always, always, always gets it. And, and there she goes, so she said, yes, I will do that, okay? There's also going to be um, a gingerbread house building contest. There's also going to be a snowball fight. Um, there's also going to be firewood being split by hand by a funky guy. <laughs> and this is for the guys. It's also going to be the old boyfriend who drives a vintage truck or car. Last night's, it wasn't a boyfriend, but last night's was an early 60s Cadillac, red convertible Cadillac, early 60s. And there's also going to be the town's relighting ceremony. Well, as you might expect, the girl gets closer and closer to her old boyfriend, and they find out that even after a tough breakup when they were young, that they kind of still like each other. And as time progresses, they fall in love again. And you know what? At the end of every Hallmark movie or Lifetime or whatever of these movies, I think they're all connected, they're all produced by the same people. There's, there's a, a, a misunderstanding about 10 minutes before the end of the movie. And they fall apart, and everything's a disaster. And then all of a sudden, some wise person nearby says, well, have you figured out this? Have you told her this? Have you told him this? Have you? And lo and behold, guess what? They get back together with about two minutes left in the show. And then they kiss, and the credits run. That's it. That's it. So if you if you want to watch another Hallmark movie, you know what to expect. But you know, at the end, the thing I like about it is love always wins. It's not the job. It's not the location. It's not whatever. It's not this. It's not that. It's that love always wins, and that's a neat thing, isn't it? That's a neat thing. And, and I tell you what. Um, this is going to have to go no further than this room. <laughs> but I have to confess that I do love a good poster. <laughs> I know some of you are going to want to take away my man card. 
I'll wear a pink shirt next week. I'm going to do that. But I do. I love a good home story. I love seeing families together, walking together, the kids playing, and the mom and dad holding hands. I love to see little ones in the stroller and older ones running ahead, and all these kinds of things. I love seeing an elderly couple, like, like Kevin, like Kevin, an elderly couple walking down the street holding hands. That's pretty sweet, isn't it? I'm, I'm just a sucker for love stories. And you know what? That's why I'm up here right now, is because we're going to share in the greatest love story ever told. And that was the love story that Jesus told. This love story doesn't involve romance, but it does involve devotion, obedience, and sacrifice. That's not love, folks. I don't know what it is. Jesus' love affair began, a love affair with us, began way, way before we were born, way, way before the world was created, because God and Jesus were there together. So his love affair goes way, way, way back for us. It continues through his birth, which we celebrate this time of year, and that's a beautiful, lovely time. Through his teachings, through his arrest, Lord's Supper, for his sacrifice, his crucifixion, all of those things, and we come to this point in time where we can find out how much, how much Jesus really, really loves us. He didn't want to go to the cross. We asked God not make him do that, and yet he knew all along he was going to do it, and he had to. He suffered immense humiliation, pain, awful, awful stuff, but he loves us so much that he does not want to be separated from us. And you know, living for him on earth gives us the opportunity to live with him for all eternity. We come together now and we remember his sacrifice in terms of his body and his blood. Going back to that last supper that he instituted with his apostles. And that's a beautiful thing. When we think about Jesus coming together with his apostles and sharing that, these are just a bunch of guys. Probably pretty rough guys. You know, they didn't have their man cards hard-working guys. And they came together and Jesus shared with them and he washed their feet. I just wanted to start that whole institution, that whole ceremony, if you will, for us to follow 2,000 years later, each and every Sunday, each and every time we meet together. So love always Paul ended the, the, the love chapter in 1 Corinthians with these words, and you're familiar with this. And now these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And so I hope you like a good love story because that's really what we're participating in right now. We're sharing this, this resemblance of his body and his blood to remind us how much, how much. The communion elements are on the three tables, one over here, one over here, one over here. 
for our visitors. We're glad to have you here. Um, we to help yourself. Several things a little bit hard to keep off to get them away from the food in there. But let's pray this time. Father, your love is everlasting and never ends. It's always been there. It always will be. And we can't think of a better way to remember the love that you had for went to the cross in obedience and sacrifice that we might have eternal life. Father, give just simple elements. A little wafer, a little sip of juice, and yet they mean so much, so much to Christians around the world. And we're so grateful that we can take part in this ceremony, this right, in this, this beautiful, beautiful Sacrifice for us the way that you went to the cross, and we might live with you forever and have eternal life in heaven. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Take an angel home with you. 
How do you like? Take, take another angel. This one, you can do that this time. Take one home, and those gifts are, are asked to be brought back to the church. Wrapped or unwrapped, is that right? That's the way I understood it. Who's in charge? Either way is fine. Either way is fine. Thank you. Oh, there's Angel. Thank you. Thank you. Wrapped or unwrapped, right, Angel? All good. Okay. And those who like to have those back next week. And then finally, the blood drive is coming up in just a few weeks also. So we uh, like to get with Connie if you haven't signed up yet. She's uh, working diligently in getting people signed up. And we'd like to have as many people as we can here on January 9th. You know how essential blood is. We just talked about that, didn't we? How essential it is to life. And how essential it is in this particular time with COVID-19. Keep those things in mind, people. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the way that you've blessed our lives. You pour out blessings for us here on earth, day in and day out, even hourly and then by And Father, we thank you for those. We thank you for the material blessings that you've showered down upon us. We thank you for the spiritual blessings that you give us. But Father, just now as we return to the portion of those material blessings that you send our way, we ask that uh, they would be used in a way that's pleasing to you, in a way that would glorify Jesus, in a way that would share the good news of, of Jesus and his death for all who, who are willing to listen to you. Father, we thank you for, for your love and for all these gifts. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. We'd like to invite any of the kids that would like to go with Kathy make their way down and uh, uh, I'm jealous because there's like the playhouse and things in there and you know I'm hoping maybe we could just do Facebook live and I could kind of be laying on you know the thing in there you know but uh, hey listen uh, this morning we're going to start a uh, series of uh, sermons that we're going to do uh, that is simply entitled uh, he will be called he will be called and um uh, we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, he will be called what? Well, we know Jesus. We know the name of Jesus, and we're familiar with who uh, Jesus is. A few interesting things about Jesus. Um, uh, you know, Jesus Christ is really the only religious name, especially in America, uh, maybe other European countries. Jesus Christ, the only religious name that actually becomes a cuss word, right? People will say that as a cuss word. Jesus Christ becomes a cuss word. You won't hear the name Muhammad. Uh, called out as a cuss word. You won't hear the name of, of Buddha called out as a cuss word or Joseph Smith or Gandhi. They're, they're not going to be cuss words. And, uh, but the reality is, is that uh, Jesus Christ is the only one that uh, literally split the calendar in two, right? Uh, we are familiar with the terms um, uh, A or BC, you know, such and such a date BC or such and such a date AD. And uh, if you've been around for a little while, you've come to know them as uh, a BC stands for before Christ and AD stands for after death. Now, if you talk to a certain educated crowd and they uh, maybe an atheist, that, and they would tell you that, uh, that that doesn't stand for that. That's not what that stands for. But 
have been around for a while, uh, your whole life you thought B.C. stood for before Christ. And you look at the calendar, today's date, December 6, 2020. 2020. 2020 years after what? Well, what took place 2020 years ago? Why did it start then? The reality is that the European calendar all goes back to it says, that's when Jesus was. That's when Jesus was. No other figure uh, splits the calendar that way, uh, but Jesus did. It's interesting. We can talk about uh, in our culture today being spiritual. It's good to be a spiritual person. It's good to be a person that uh, does meditation. You want to have those kinds of things involved in your life, but it's not okay to say Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. He's the only guy that splits the calendar, but it's not okay to say Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. But the reality is, is that that's exactly what the Bible teaches, is that Jesus is the way. He's the only one that died on the cross for us. Jesus is the way to salvation. Also, interestingly enough, about any other religious figure, Jesus is the one that was prophesied for thousand years for 700 years year after year after year he was prophesied that Jesus Christ was going to come he was going to live he was even the events of his birth were predicted uh, the, the events of his death were predicted they were prophesied and some 700 years before Jesus even came to earth it says this we read it earlier Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 for to us a child is born to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and the Roman government certainly was on his shoulders. It was the Roman government that washed their hands of Jesus and said, well, kill him if you want to, and the government was on his shoulders. It says, for to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So this morning we're going to talk about Jesus as the Wonderful Counselor. Jesus as the Wonderful Counselor. I thought we'd take a moment and pray to help us focus on Jesus, the Wonderful Counselor. Father, we come to you week after week. Sunday after Sunday, we bow our heads in a time of prayer. Father, we come to you because we believe that you are God. It's your Son that died on the cross for our sins. You're all-knowing, all-powerful. You desire us to come to you with our concerns. We ask that you would teach us right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Wonderful counselor. When it comes to getting counsel, when it comes to getting counsel, uh, we generally want to uh, learn from someone who uh, has been through a similar kind of experience that we have been through. 
When it comes to getting counsel, we like to learn from somebody who's been through something uh, maybe that we've been through and kind of we can uh, share stories and relate to them. Uh, many of you know that uh, earlier on this year, uh, I sold our house back in Earlham uh, for sale by owner. Well, I'm not a realtor. I've never sold a house uh, before. And I just knew that uh, I could save about 6% uh, on the whole deal if I didn't get a realtor involved. And, and the market was pretty hot. And we had a very nice home and people had seen it and said, you got a nice house and so I thought well I'm just gonna put it out there for sale by owner even though I have no idea really what that means or what I'm doing and uh, but then I was uh, through a conversation that I had with a friend of mine a friend of mine said well here's a guy you need to go see old so-and-so over in Adel because well he's a realtor but he also owns his family owns a title company have him come to your house take a look at it he'll be able to tell you what to do and so so and so comes to my house he walks around and looks at it he says oh yeah you know you can probably put it up for sale for about this much money and and, uh, and he says um, uh, he just kind of takes me through the whole process and he says Steve whether I sell your house or not and I said I'm a realtor but if I don't sell your house if you'll just bring the title work to me uh, that's good enough I will we own the title company we'll we'll make our money from the title company and he says you just call me any questions you have along the way I'll be happy to answer your questions so sure enough with the house up for sale and then I found myself through the process I calling him up saying hey, Ron I need a little bit of help here a little bit of help there and he, he I could go to him for counsel he had been through this many 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 times where he said to me he said Steve here's the reality he says once you sell your house for sale by owner so you'll probably never use a realtor again there's really only about three documents that you need to make sure they're in order and sure enough that's what happened piece of cake i will probably never contact another realtor again no, no offense if you're in real estate we love you guys you're welcome here at church by the way if you watch facebook live but uh, that's just that's just my story okay that's my story a similar but different kind of thing happened um uh many of you know i lost my dad this past summer and uh, you know who wants to go through anything like that right everybody knows it's eventually coming nobody wants to go through that but just coincidentally or god incidentally um about three or four weeks before my dad passed away uh, my folks had good uh, family friends that just lived a couple of blocks down the road and uh, nancy lost her husband about three, four weeks later, my mom loses my dad. And so one of the first calls that my mom made was to Nancy. Because Nancy had just been through this. And Nancy was able to say things to my mom like, okay, maybe we need to talk to these people and give these folks a call. And they're going to ask these questions and you'll probably want some of these documents in order was right there having just been through it, was excellent counsel for my mom. We appreciate knowing when we're going through something difficult that the person that we might reach out to has been through the same or something very similar. We seek counsel from them. Jesus was called wonderful Counselor, wonderful counselor. He knows what you are going through. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, it says, and read these words carefully. For we do not have a high priest 
We do not have a high priest. We don't need to go to a priest in order to be heard. We can go straight to Jesus. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. No, we have Jesus that can sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus knew all temptation, but never sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. That means we can go straight to Jesus with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus has seen it all. He knows it all. He experienced it. He knows every little bit of our life. And when we are in our time of need, we can go straight and directly to Jesus. Isn't that good news? Aren't you glad that that is the case? As some of you might say right now, I am in a time of of need. I need to go and spend time with Jesus. Jesus deals with this and Jesus dealt with a lot of broken people. There were people that questioned whether or not he should be spending any time with any broken people and this is the way Jesus answered them in the book of Luke. And Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call, I have come, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Here's the truth. We are all broken. We are all sick. That's just the reality. All of us, whether we're feeling it right now or uh, maybe you're in the thick of something that's very difficult or you can look back at times in your life and know that you've been through very difficult things. We go uh, through all sorts of uh, twists and turns on the journey of life. And there's not any one of us that can say, I've never been unhealthy, whether physically or spiritually or emotionally. We all have these things. It's called life. We go through depression. We go through being fearful. We go through financial stress. And right now we're all experiencing COVID-19. And for some people, that brings paralyzing fear. And for some people, it sort of puts them in a place where they find themselves at odds with everyone that is around them. And it's difficult. And there's marriage stress. And there is addiction. And there's parenting issues. And the holidays can bring stress because family comes together and you ever watch uh, the movie uh, Christmas Vacation and the family comes around the table and it's just kind of a disaster or maybe remember I've seen some old movie it's got a big food fight that, that sort of takes place and remember the old Happy Days episode where that turns into a uh, big food fight maybe that's what your family time looks like and maybe this year you're glad your family's not you're thankful for COVID because you're not going to have to deal with all of the stuff that happens when your family gets together and for some people it's really like that we do well to seek a good counselor, a counselor that knows and understands what we have been going through. Sometimes we're not sure how to approach a counselor. 
So in the remainder of our time, I'd like to share this. Three steps to help us be counseled. Three steps to help us be counseled. Number one, go to the counselor. Go to the counselor. Be brutally honest with the counselor. Can you imagine pulling into uh, your favorite shopping store or whatever shopping center? Uh, you, you pull in, you park your car, you slam the door, you get out and you start to make your way uh, towards the store. And all of a sudden you hear something kind of uh, behind you and, and you look behind and here's this old jalopy of a car and uh, one of the tires is flat. The thing's kind of rolling in and you see it twist and turn and as they step on the brakes, the stop in the parking place, uh, the brakes squeak real loud. You notice the motor is pinging, ping, 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 ping. And you look down and you realize, hey, I think those are sparks as they're dragging their muffler as they pull in to the spot. And they step out of the car and they close the door and, and then you kind of hear the little twinkling of the, of the rust kind of falling and hitting the ground underneath their car as they slam the door. And, and then all of a sudden you see somebody kind of scurrying up and kind of walking briskly up behind that car as, as they get out of the car. And they say, excuse me, excuse me, hey, I, I just happened to notice that uh, uh, there's, some, there's some things there with your car that are, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit off there. And, and uh, right across the street, or look right across the street, you see that, that side over there that says garage? That, I, own, I own that shop over there. That's my shop. We do body work. We do auto repair. And, and uh, hey, in the spirit of Christmas, in the spirit of Christmas, would you would you be willing Monday morning? Would you be just willing to come over and uh, and bring your car over to my garage and I'll cut you a great deal. I won't be able to do it for free, but I'll do it at my cost and I'll, I'll put this thing back together. We'll try to make it as good as new. We just want you to uh, to to have that. It's a gift on us. The person that just slammed the door and the rust fall out, they they look at that mechanic and what are you talking about? Who are you? Why, why are you approaching me here in this? You keep your distance from me, mister. I Just stand back. That's all good. This thing gets me everywhere I need to go. No problem. You just leave me alone. Go about your own business. I'm going in here and taking care of mine. A little odd, isn't it? A little odd. Who among us would say to the person with the broken down car, um, if you want to go get your car fixed, we're not going to hold that against you. If you want to go get your car, it so looks like the guy's making a great opportunity for you. Why don't you just go let him fix your car? But how many times, spiritually, when the good counselor is communicating to us, hey, some of the things that are going on in your heart, I see them. The evidence is there. It's broken. I want to deal with that. I want to fix that. I'm the doctor. I'm the mechanic. I am the one who does repairs. We turn and say to God, keep your distance. I want to go about my business. We are to go to the counselor. We are to go to the counselor. Look at Psalms, chapter 55, verse 22 says, Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. We're to go to the counselor. We're to go directly to Jesus. We're to go straight to Jesus and say, Jesus, 
uh, it's broken. <laughs> the door squeaks, it's rusting, and every time I move, something falls on it. You know, I am spiritually, I am hurting, and in my mind, things race through my brain, and they're not right. And Father, I come to you, and I ask that you would hear my cry, cast your cares on the Lord. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Prayer is talking to God. We can share our burdens with one another and hopefully there's a one another in your life that wouldn't sit back and look at your broken car and say, nah, I think it's good. But you would have a brother that would come alongside you and say, hey, I just want you to know that I'm here to listen to you and I'm there for you and I want to be an encouragement, a support and encouragement to you. But let's take it to the Lord. Let's take it. To the Lord. Be honest about your faith. Be honest about your feelings. Be honest if you're feeling depressed or fearful or financially stressed. Be honest with God about your fears about COVID 19. It's okay to just, God's not going to be surprised by any of that. He saw us all roll in this morning. He saw us slam the door. He saw the flat tires. He already knows it's obvious to him. Just be transparent with God and let Him know that you know there is brokenness. Listen to Romans chapter 14, verse 11 and 12. As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. We're going to answer to God for everything in our life. And it's no surprise to him when we do it later. And it's not going to be a surprise to him when we do it now. So get started. Go to the counselor. Now do this, number two. Listen to the counselor. Listen to the counselor. Do you remember the uh, Mark chapter 9, the transfiguration. Uh, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, and he goes up to his best friend, Peter, James, and John. Says, guys, uh, let's take a walk together. We're going to kind of head up this hillside, so they make their way up a path, make their way up a little while, and kind of gets a little foggy, and they go a little bit further, and then the, the kind of gets real foggy, and the cloud kind of comes down, and here they are, they can't see anybody else, they're just looking at each other, and they're there. And then something extremely powerful happens. God shows up. God shows up with Peter, James, and John, and Jesus. And God has something that he wants Peter, James, and John to hear. Mark chapter 9, verse 7. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them. And the voice came from the cloud, and God communicates to them, This is my son, whom I love. Listen. To him. Listen to him. Listen. Listen to him. John chapter 10, verse 27 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Listen to them. At this point, a lot of us scratch our heads. Hey, God, there's a mess. Fix it. I'm ready. I'm waiting. 
So how does God communicate to us? How does he, what, how, how does, what's he say? How does he say it? Well, here's a list. It's not all inclusive, but again, it starts. Get us started. Uh, God communicates to us through the Bible. We want to know what God does and what God doesn't do, um, and what He wants to do and what He doesn't want to do. Uh, he just kind of laid it all out. You read the Old Testament, there were a lot of laws in there, and kind of laid down a foundation. We move into the New Testament, and we see that there are things that Jesus says, "Yep, this is going to go forward, and we're going to let go of that." And uh, it communicates to us, and that's what the Bible is for. It is God communicating to us through the history of Scripture, and it's God communicating to us. That's what the Bible is for. Sometimes you read the Bible and you shake your head and say, I'm, I'm just not quite sure if that makes a lot of sense to me. And that's what godly friends are for. I enjoy um, Bible study here on, on Tuesday morning. Um, and uh, there's some of us guys that are there. And, and uh, for the first several minutes, it's just a lot of chit-chat. I appreciate uh, Al Baxter. He's, uh, he's usually had a joke to tell. And, um, and so we, you know, we, we'll sit there and chit-chat, and then, then we'll finally get into, we'll land somewhere in Scripture, and we'll, and we'll go through that uh, portion of Scripture. And then, you know, it's a little bit quiet for a few minutes, and then uh, some, you know, different guys will kind of speak up, and, and all of a sudden you just, it's iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. And, uh, and you just kind of listen, and somebody will pick up on a little something there, and a little something there, and um, by the time it's all said and done, you're just a little bit sharp. Just a little bit sharper because you spent time in Scripture and you spent time with godly friends and they help keep you on track and move you in the right direction. Sermons, I, I, I write these sermons and um, and uh, you know I review them. I kind of go over them and and every week that I step up here, I am I am arrogant enough to believe that every time I step up here, there's something in there that's worth something, you know, and uh, and, um, and you know at least for me and uh, you know I stand there and. Um, I preach it in my office throughout the week, and I go, yeah, it's good, Steve. You need to, why don't you start doing that in your life, stupid? You know, I say, I say that a lot of times, but I mean, you know. And, uh, but uh, the reality is sermons, that's what they're there for. That's why I want you to come and, and be a part of church, is that we get to uh, be a part of that. And uh, the songs of praise, you ever get a Christian song, it's kind of, it's in your head, and, you know, you, you kind of go through the day, and it's there, and it's ministering to you. Good books, it's always good, prayer time, and, and a hard one is silence. Does your alarm wake you up? Does it play music? Do you just let that play for a while? A lot of times I get up and the first thing I do is go in, turn on the TV or open up my computer and start watching some very informative YouTube video. <laughs> um, where we used to live, I had a Bluetooth speaker that was always on the counter at the, in the bathroom, and so on. I'm kind of doing my thing in the shower, and I'd be on. Always have, you know, something was going, radio music, whatever. And as soon as I get in the car, you know, usually the radio's on. As soon as I get in the car, and I listen to that all the way to work, and there's usually some insightful person on talk radio telling me what to think, and. 
soon as I get to work, you know, the computer's back on, and then silence. No, no time for silence. I mean, there's all kinds of input that I need to be silence. Silence. I told you several years ago, I, running on the treadmill, I used to, I used to have it all set up where I could put my laptop right up at the top of the treadmill and prop that thing open. And there's even speakers built into my treadmill so that I could put the little cord that went from the uh, the uh, uh, the laptop into the speakers that are on the treadmill because when I was watching Netflix and I was running, I needed to be able to hear everything. And then one day I just kind of said, no, from now on. And I'm on the treadmill, that, that's, it was kind of a, a time, a thing that kind of happened for me, that I need to engage in a time of silence, and I want to hear from God. Make time. Listen for the counselor and then do number three. Do what the counselor tells you. Do what the counselor tells you. Great story in the Bible. Great story in the Bible. It's a story of, uh, uh, it was a wedding. Um, and at this, at this wedding, um, there was a, uh, there was a sermon that was preached at the wedding. And, uh, it was probably, I mean, if you're going through scripture and you were going to pull out, uh, maybe the most important sermon that was ever preached, uh, in scripture, uh, you can probably just kind of land right here on this sermon that was preached. And uh, interestingly enough, it was preached by a woman. Uh, there was a woman that preaches a sermon. And it's probably the most important sermon that was ever preached. And maybe the most important sermons preached in all of Scripture. And uh, there was this big wedding that was going on. And they had been celebrating uh, for three days. And after three days of celebrating, uh, they completely ran out of wine. There was, it was tragic. No more wine at the celebration. And, uh, and this woman knew that there was this tragedy, that there was no more wine at the celebration. And so this woman goes to her son, Jesus, and then she communicates to the entire staff, all of the banquet staff, all the people that were putting on the entire celebration. She brings them down into a room, maybe into the kitchen there. And, she, and then she preaches this sermon to the, to the entire event staff. John chapter 2, verse 5. His mother said to the servants, this sermon, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. They ran out of wine. Jesus' mother says, take care of this. Get more wine. Mom, it's not my time yet. You don't talk back to mom. <laughs> so she calls all the servants in. Says, do whatever he tells you. So then Jesus does something that just makes a lot of sense. There were uh, six big stone pots there. 20 to 30 gallons each, to put that another way, picture, picture 30, 35, five-gallon buckets up here on the stage. Jesus says, well, fellas, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and servants, uh, 
Let's uh, start by filling these buckets up with water. That's what we'll do. We'll fill these up with water. And so they scurry off and they start filling up these buckets with water. All right. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you go about your business. Because you guys, you guys, you guys are in charge of serving the wine, so why don't you take some of these and you know move around here and get your ladle and start serving wine. Water. Yeah, yeah. They go around, table to table, glass to glass. People begin to taste it. Wow. Usually when I go to these banquets, they, they start us off with the good wine a couple of days ago. And, you know, after we've all had our first bottle, then we don't really care, you know, how many, what it tastes like after that. But you have saved the very best. It makes no sense that somebody was in the back room going, in a moment's notice, it went from being fresh water to being aged wine. It's almost like, it, like it, in seven days you could create a, an aged earth that would look like it's really, really old, but instantaneously it's... didn't make any sense. Do whatever he tells you. And then Jesus says all these crazy things to us like, turn the other cheek. If somebody hits you, turn the other cheek. That doesn't make any sense. Do whatever he tells you. Forgive them. I don't want to forgive them. How many times do I have to forgive them? Seven times. It's forgive them and forgive them and forgive them. That doesn't make any sense. Do whatever. Give your money away. Give it away. Yeah, you earned it. Now give it away. Do whatever. Do not be afraid. I know, but that doesn't apply to a pandemic, does it? Do not be afraid. You know, my, uh, my life's a big mess. And I've dirtied it all up. And if anybody knew what was going on in my life, they wouldn't even talk to me anymore. Do whatever he says, for he is the good counselor. Good counsel. I don't know what you have going on in your life. I don't know what your extended family has going on in their life, but if it's not inside of us, we know somebody that's going through something very difficult. And if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are duty-bound to point them to the good counsel. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, he invites you to come and get to know him. He wants to forgive you. He wants to love you. He wants you to be baptized into his kingdom, into his household, into his family. That's what he wants you to do.
So there's the charge. Take people to the counselor or accept the invitation of the counselor. Now it's up to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of your son. Help us not to run and hide or be embarrassed because we have squeaky brakes. Help us to come to you. We ask in the name of Jesus.